Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 49 and we're talking player contracts this week. My name is Mark Carey and joining me as ever is Ryan Bailey. Ryan, episode 49, we're so close to half century. It doesn't count now, though, Mark, because we're on the other side of uh, 2022. So, <laughs> you know, the record that we failed at last year has uh, been broken. Happy New Year, though, regardless. A happy for New episode Year. Episode 49. Happy New Year. I mean, year. do we still say Happy New Year? Is it is it a bit late now? I feel you never know when to stop, do you? It's the first time since, um, well, on record that we've uh, spoken to each other. Happy New Year to the listeners as well. Um, hope everybody had a lovely festive period for those who celebrate uh, Christmas. So, um, yeah, we're back to it, Ryan. And yes, we maybe didn't reach the target of 50 that we said we'd do in 2021, but we did agree that it's quality over quantity. We're still, I don't want to say back stronger because that's actually using the line of a different podcast. <laughs> so we need to have our own tagline. But We need a new um, tagline. Yeah, we're into 2022 strong though, aren't we? It's been a, there's a packed start to, uh, to the year in terms of the football calendar. Football, different football competitions. We're not just talking about league football. We've uh, obviously had the, you know, the Premier League, but we had FA Cup weekend just gone. We have indeed. Um, have you been watching any of the games? Do you know what I did? I caught a few. There was actually a, an awful lot of fixtures, wasn't there? There was obviously some massive upsets, which I uh, enjoyed. Uh, I did watch uh, Newcastle and Cambridge, which was an mm. absolute shambles um, from a Newcastle point of view, uh, especially for Mr. Trippier, who just arrived recently. Um, mm. Yeah, some big upsets, wasn't there? I think there was Forest and Arsenal, which I guess was one. And then also uh, Kidderminster and Reading, which I didn't realise that was the biggest gap in between fixtures. So I think there were 79 places between Kidderminster uh, and Reading of the Championship. And obviously Kidderminster came back and won, which I thought was very, very good. They did indeed. You're doing my job for me in terms of the stats. I there, know. Right? 79 New Year. Places. 
that's good yeah new year new you yeah no that was i mean i i have obviously have a soft spot for kidderminster harriers i don't know whether you ever used to go and watch them right i used to go and watch kidderminster harriers with my dad because it's um you know kidderminster is near to where we are from ryan i didn't know that no i didn't, I didn't know you used to go there yeah, I used to go um, because my, my dad used to work for Nationwide, who sponsored the Football League. So we used to basically get oh. free tickets, which wasn't the reason that we went. We also just like <laughs> go in the match. And, uh, and we used to go regularly. I used to wait and get the, uh, the autographs of, uh, of the players. They used to be managed by Jan Molby, who used to play for Liverpool as well. Of course, there's um, a Liverpool link. And of course, Mike there's Marsh. a Liverpool link. But it's not the only, maybe that is actually why with my dad as well. Um, and one of their sort of uh, key players at the time was Mike Marsh, who used to play for... Uh, Liverpool as well in the early 90s or late 80s early 90s so I used to go there quite a lot um, and I like this sort of thing I mean last year as well it was Marine against uh, Tottenham which was okay yes they didn't win in terms of Marine but I used to and still do go and watch Marine as well because that is in Liverpool where my family now are Um, so I love it I love a little uh, minnows against a I was going to say a huge team Reading are okay aren't they they're not doing that well in the championship so let's not you know call them a massive well, I don't want to be disrespectful to say they're not a massive club. But You're digging a, a hole, Mark. <laughs> I know, I am. It was a massive scalp. The magic of the cup still exists, though, I think is what you're trying to say as well. Because, you know, for there's a there's so much chat, isn't there, every year of why do we still do the FA Cup from some absolute mizogs. But, um, you know, I think I think as a competition, it holds so much value, doesn't it, still, for so many? Yeah, true. And you just think about it financially uh, as well. Like, Kidderminster Harrys are going to get a lot of money for... Now they're going to be hosting West Ham United in the fourth round, which is amazing. Yeah. As you say, that's what it's all about. Um, so it's it's what it can do for them kind of in the long term. These smaller clubs, the money that they'll get for for whatever reason um, can, in some cases, keep them going for years. So I know that's mm. the case with, with Marine. They've reinvested the money that they got from last year um, and they'll be better off for it in the long term. So, yeah, I, I love this sort of thing. The stories like that are, are so, so great. But um yeah, FA Cup was was entertaining, and we've started the African Cup of Nations um, very have. recently. Have you caught any of the games there, Ryan? I have. Do you know what? I've I've caught a few. Um, the best game that I watched was uh, one of the recent ones with Nigeria and Egypt. Uh, I thought Nigeria were the first team that I'd seen that looked properly sort of sharp. I guess like it, right. they sort of really looked like an absolute outfit. They did a bit of a job on Salah and uh, and a really good goal from uh, Ianacho as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, I've caught I caught a few of the games. It's 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 great actually that it's it's been broadcast on Sky Sports, isn't it? I mean, I haven't I don't know about you, but I would have had to go and find some random download link before to to yeah. watch any of the African Cup and but actually it's been really nice to have it so accessible I think yeah no I, I agree um I've, I've tried to catch as much of it as I can maybe not in kind of the full matches but some of the the highlights because you can also catch the highlights on the Sky Sports YouTube uh, app I suppose but I've noticed that I suppose it's the case often at international tournaments that the games are quite tight there's quite a lot of yeah. one nils maybe some nil nils two ones like there was a painful one the other day with senegal and zimbabwe it was yeah. the 90th minute plus six i think That's it was right. that the the goal um Sadio that Mane. Mane scored a penalty it was absolutely excruciating for zimbabwe because they sort of it was a re- it was a really good nil nil you know which i know a nil nil is never really good but it was an interesting watch regardless mm. um and i couldn't believe that they nicked it right in the last second you felt really bad for zimbabwe but yeah I, i've been really enjoying watching it nice yeah and as say tight margins at international level it's just really little things like that and it can, mm. can go either way so uh yeah good start to african cup of nations plenty of football uh to be talking about to be getting on with and well, it's a long old year mate there's a lot of football exactly right yeah um and plenty to talk about so let's talk about a new topic ryan first one of the year let's crack into talking about player contracts how's that sound oh let's do it 
Okay, so as is often the case when I'm the one kind of presenting Ryan, I give the game away far too soon in the intro <laughs> about what we're going to be talking about. Um, Might as well go We're going to be talking... Oh, yeah. Yeah, stop it there if you want to. Or you can at least pause it. Um, but we're going to be talking about sort of player contracts and kind of drilling into a bit of a phenomenon around it. But I think because it's, you know, the January transfer window at the moment, I think it's quite a, a pertinent time to be talking about this sort of thing. And I think in... in I was going to say years gone by. In last year, um, I think we talked about, uh, you know, looking at maybe players who could be good from a recruitment perspective of maybe ones to look out for using the data. So we didn't want to do that again this year. So instead, we thought we'd use this sort of January transfer period to talk about something kind of relating um, sort of similarly. So talking about contracts, and this is the time of year where where players can sign pre-contract agreements can't they if their contract is to run out in the summer they are allowed to talk to other clubs in view of um, actually signing with them in the summer despite still playing for their current team so I think yeah this is relevant to talk about and we've got some big a lot of players who are maybe available on a free come the summer yeah I mean it kind of gets across the new year line doesn't it and all of a sudden it's like oh dear a a bomb could be dropped at any moment for I'm leaving and I've signed with so and so uh, big names, I yeah. guess, this year. Rudiger is a massive one that's been chatted about a lot, isn't it, at the moment? Free agent, not free agent yet, but you know what I mean, in terms of could leave Chelsea yeah. now if you'd like to. I know there's conversations and he seems like a happy man, but uh, he's a big mm-hmm. one. I mean, the chat about Pogba it never seems to go away, doesn't it? But am I right in thinking Pogba's got six months left now? Is that right? Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. And there's a lot of players, as I say, in come the summer who are available on a free. We've got some real big hitters, but I think, as you say, Rudiger and, and Pogba um, in the Premier League are, are two examples of that. Jesse Lingard, another one that are uh, probably going to move back to West Ham. You read all the time. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just quite a hard thing to get right and pinned down, isn't it? There's a lot of chat at the moment about Mohamed Salah, isn't there? I think, does he have one more year left after this? So there's a lot of chat about why haven't Liverpool sort of tied him down? Because he's obviously in like absolute world-class red-hot form. Um, you know, you kind of need to keep hold of him. But he turns 30 next year, if I'm if I'm right. So there's, there's kind of so much nuance, isn't there, to contract discussions. It's not a case of just, we'll, we'll have you for another couple of years. Because also, I guess, from a player's point of view, they have to make big decisions at that later stage of the career and... Uh, and you probably have a, a one or two big moves left in you, don't you, at that stage? So it's not just as simple as, oh, yeah, I'd like to play for Chelsea for another year. Yeah, in the modern world, I think that is certainly the case. I don't know how it kind of has been previously, but um, yeah, no, I think so. I think if Salah signs a, a lucrative contract, that's pretty much him for, you know, the the move after that would probably be going kind of down a level rather than potentially going, I was going to say across, really, because I don't yeah. know who would be maybe... A, a, club that would actually suit Salah at the moment in terms of you know clubs in in world football I think as well just just because we were speaking about it Kylian Mbappe is a massive example yeah. of someone who needs to sort of sort his future out because his contract actually runs out um this summer as well so some massive hitters and as you say the Salah example isn't that his contract actually runs out this summer it's just that an example of as is often the case when someone's in red hot form or when they're kind of within even two years I think of actually um, coming to the end of their contract they'll often get a a new deal with kind of better terms and that sort of well, thing well look at but, Harry Kane um, Harry Kane signed a six year deal didn't he or something off the back of it was a couple of years ago which has actually tied him in now for a very long time which we obviously heard about a lot over the summer didn't we but um, yeah it's, it's a big it's a big thing isn't it it's a big discussion that obviously I guess we only know of the tip of the iceberg of uh, as as consumers of, of media but you know I imagine the discussions are absolutely painful but very crucial uh, and important 
Yeah, but this is the thing, and this is why I think the, the Harry Kane example that you gave is really a really good one. And there's been the same at like a manager level. I feel like Alan Pardew um, at, I think it was Newcastle, wasn't he given a ludicrously long contract? And then I think he only stayed within about two years longer mm. than that. So it's almost like at the time you think you give someone a new deal when things are going really well. I think Newcastle were flying at the time. And then they, I think, regressed to the mean because I think they were overperforming. And then you think, well, now we're stuck into this long deal and now we've got to pay him out if we're going to fire him or you know in the case of a player maybe move him on so that's essentially the crux of what we're going to be talking about kind of in this episode of is it wise to maybe offer someone a a new contract when almost when they're in red hot form and that sounds a bit strange but it's basically saying well if you maybe look at more at the analytics at the numbers at the data is it that a certain player is hugely overperforming and that's unsustainable so why would we give them a really lucrative offer here of a new deal um so again this i guess the point of our podcast is to to maybe look more in a considered way rather than maybe doing it either by a bit of a bias, by using the eye test to say, okay, this, this player's been scoring you know, almost one goal a game, that sort of thing. Um, is there a way that we can actually think about it kind of more, um, more normally? Um, and that's, yeah, that's going to be the crux of, of what we're talking about. And there's something which I thought was really interesting, and it's taken from American sports here, um, but it's known as the contract year phenomenon. And it's slightly different from what we're talking about maybe here in terms of football. Um, but it's, it basically just kind of looks at how athletes um, perform in the season prior to them being a free agent or being eligible to be um, a free agent. And statistically speaking, this phenomenon um, suggests that statistically they actually perform better than their previous years in the year leading up to them being offered this new contract so just to clarify is this the is this the the year that for instance Salah is in at the moment not not the year where it's actually expiring is it the year before that yeah yeah let's say that yeah so yeah the whole if we were to keep it kind of neat because I know that we're halfway through a season but yeah let's say if if Salah wasn't wasn't to to sign a contract from the start of next season let's say before his his contract would be up in 2023 as a yeah as a comparison it would be yeah so this phenomenon being that um, players actually do sort of perform statistically better in that key year that is to earn them this new contract than in previous years and then subsequently they actually either revert to their average level or sometimes then underperform or crash in terms of their performance in the year following um, or the, the couple of years following that new contract okay which is a really interesting thing to kind of unpack yeah but it kind of shows what well, we'll see what it might be and maybe discuss what it might be but it just shows that players aren't stupid yeah. they if they want to earn a new contract and earn a lot more money um they perform better and it's backed up by the numbers in terms of the some of the research that's been done it's a, it's somewhat debated as to whether it is actually does actually exist and of course it's not going to be kind of uniform across everyone um but it's an interesting thing right uh, absolutely and, and i say so is this studies that's been done within american sports that you found yeah and i think that american sports kind of lend themselves a little bit more to be able to kind of investigate this phenomenon a little bit more because you can more accurately sort of pinpoint an individual player's performance yeah. towards the the wider contribution to the team um but there has been some sort of academic research done on this and you know i always like to pepper in some either some numbers or some research yeah. and there's some work done um, looking at NBA players, so basketball players in America, and they said that the 
estimated effect is about three to five, um, a boost of three to five percentiles. So let's say 5% improving by 5% in the performance that they um, normally exhibit compared to the sort of the average player in the NBA. So, so are you like scoring this... statistics, etc. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Statistical output for a whole bunch of plays. Um, but as I say, the head I won't go too much into the numbers in this example, but uh, the headline being that, yeah, driven by their stats and their performance, they actually yeah do perform better in the year leading up to it, um, leading up to this contract uh, year where they're are offered a new um, a new contract and it's slightly different with American sports as well because I think to my understanding I think you can only get a contract that is two years at a time fine so I think obviously in football it's a little bit more kind of liberal but you can sort of more accurately pinpoint it as well as, as specific periods of time it's interesting um, though because I mean I guess all sorts of things come into play there don't they in terms of mentality and sort of a desperation is the wrong word but a knowing that you need to perform to to get what you want is uh, it'd be interesting to know if players relax as soon as they have what they want do you know what I mean and feeling out of their sort of comfort pressure zone I guess um yeah all all sorts of things going on there that you sort of I wonder if players know what they're doing if that's if that's the case yeah that's what I mean like yeah players are, are not daft and I think this is the thing I guess it's what drives you as a professional athlete like is it that you want to you might enjoy the sport i think we spoke before about some footballers who actually don't enjoy football mm. i mean we saw it recently with ben white or benjamin white i think is he has, <laughs> has to be called um that he actually doesn't watch football he's not that interested in watching football no. he just plays it just and, a very you know, good at it likes playing very good at it which is painful when we love it so much was that what he said he didn't know who Sol campbell was or something or he'd never seen him play really i think he said oh, something like oh yeah no no it's patrick Vieira." he was like because they're about to play crystal palace he's like yeah that's right yeah i thought that's he was right. a good player but but yeah never never saw him play <laughs> That's right, yeah. And you think, it's Patrick Vieira, one of the Premier League legends. That's right, it was before the Palace game, wasn't it? But it's an interesting point where it's like, yeah, what drives you as a player? Mm. Um, is it that it's just your desire to be the best? Is it just that you, you see it as a job, just like anyone else might, and just think, okay, well, it pays the bills and I want it to you know, support my family and things. And I think that's what's interesting, where it can that can maybe lead to that improvement in performance or not so i guess it's like getting a bonus at work example. isn't it like you can kind of it's incentives to do well almost isn't it and then once you've got your bonus in the new year you might potentially not be that bothered who knows yeah no completely yeah versus someone who is like i don't mind i'll do this whether i'm paid you know one pound or one million pounds yeah. i really enjoy what for i'm the doing passion. exactly for the passion of it and the i guess the extreme example currently would be cristiano ronaldo who just keeps pushing himself yeah. because he just wants to be the best that he can be so there was interesting stuff within the the research and the literature kind of about that extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. So essentially being, I don't know that I don't want to sort of patronize all the listeners here in terms of explaining that, but I have no idea what those words mean. So, so tell it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, sort of ex extrinsic motivation being kind of an, an external reward or something that is yeah external from your own drive to be the thing that you'll, um, like the bonus that you say that you'll you'll try and perform for mm -hmm. so you've got a very specific um, thing kind of at the end of your workload to say okay this is what you've done it's a bonus intrinsic motivation just being the opposite of that of kind of self-driven you want to do this for yourself and um, it doesn't matter what external reward money kind of um, can offer it's more because you want to to do that for yourself right. so 
it, it that sort of makes I find that quite interesting in terms yeah. of this contract year phenomenon because it sort of aligns with the idea that players maybe who fall into that category are extrinsically motivated because they are driven to want to do well for the lucrative contract and for the money and don't get me wrong who wouldn't want to do that because everyone would like to yeah but it's just interesting to notice that there's a noticeable difference within this year where they could obviously get more of a lucrative contract absolutely and that absolutely begs the question then once said player has achieved said contract um there, it, there must be something off the back of that to to know whether it, it it was motivated by the contract or not, right? There must be some kind of either they carry on performing at that level or some kind of dip. I'm I'm imagining. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, it's it's there's this sort of post contract crash in, in performance, typically in terms of this phenomenon, um, and they call it the the contract year syndrome. Okay. So typically, a, a sort of a two year pattern where they've. Yeah, they, they revert back to either their average or even sometimes below that, as I say. So I come back to it. This is where our thread of the Football Fanalytics podcast comes in, where if if only they looked at the kind of the data, which I'm sure they do in American sports. I know that they do in American sports. But if only they did look at the data, you could see that we've, you know, we've looked at things before in terms of expected goals versus goals and how much a player is overperforming. They could look to say, OK, well, we're not going to offer this player a, a massive contract because you know, whether it's basketball or baseball, we know that they are just hugely, for a whole host of reasons, they are hugely overperforming and where they should be sort of performing based on their actual stylistic profile and their performance output, they should be somewhere, you know, a little bit lower. So we're not going to waste millions of pounds on offering this new contract to the player. And this is where obviously the use of analytics within a professional environment can be hugely helpful. But yeah, you have that bounce. I guess this is really interesting then in the sense though that kind of context and what's going on in the real world and media and clubs perception etc comes into play because I guess if you've got a player who's absolutely having the season of their life and the fans are absolutely loving watching them and and the board are saying no we're not going to offer them a new contract because you know the 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 numbers say over the last 3 years that this this isn't sustainable it, it kind of in the in the message there it doesn't quite translate like that there's pressures from everywhere isn't there to snap up your best players and and, and the like so yeah it's quite interesting in in real life to know that maybe the d- decisions are influenced by so many other things oh completely yeah yeah and we always speak about the context don't we and it's it's not going to be purely on performance as you say like football now specifically but sport in general is is a business isn't it and you think okay well there's yeah there's x number of shirts there as you say there's more mm. people who are going to come to watch the games because this player is playing so yeah i completely agree there's there's so much so many sort of facets and components to a contract but i just find it interesting that if it were to be based sort of purely on performance mm. and backing that up with the numbers sometimes uh, you know, business men and women can lose a lot of money simply because they think that a player is doing better than they are. Hundred uh, percent. Also, then my next question is: Are there any football-related examples, specifically moving away from the American sports, that you can think of that where this is a prime example of of contract year phenomenon? Well, I suppose we started with the the Harry Kane example. I don't think it's a full kind of falling into the contract year phenomenon, um, but I think that's an interesting one to unpick and. Um, yeah, I mean, we did something uh, on the site, um, on The Athletic, with um, James McNicholas, who is the Arsenal writer, and his salient example was uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of course. which makes complete sense. Um, and it's sort of more of a wider thing on Arsenal of how they offer 
contracts out to players who they maybe sort of shouldn't or at the time they shouldn't because Meza Ozil previously was a, another example of that. So we've, we've sort of seen it this season um, and how this, the season where he was offered the contract, which I think was in sort of January, February time, it was off the back of his one of his kind of biggest goal-scoring yeah. performances, I think, of his career, certainly at Arsenal. Um, and he has reverted back to, to the mean. And it, it begs the question, does it... Um, you know, does he fall into that contract year phenomenon? So he'd be a, a very kind of, yeah, salient example who of someone who, yeah, is, I mean, look at him now. He can't even get in the, the squad, never mind the team. No, I guess, I guess uh, playing devil's advocate, there's age and other things probably comes into factor there slightly, doesn't it? Because what would, he would have been 30, I guess, in that season where he was absolutely flying. And then two years have passed since then within this contract year phenomenon. So I guess it's, there are other factors at play as well, potentially to take into account. Completely. Yeah, no, it's a good question and it's a good point. And this will go for the, the whole of the examples that we gave here across the American sports as well. But that kind of plays into it as well, doesn't it? Mm. In terms of looking at, I think we've spoken before about age curves and things like that, that knowing that a player's performance is going to either plateau or sometimes kind of drop after a certain age. Yeah. So why would you offer a 29-year-old who you know is probably going to be about as good as he's ever going to be yeah, in yeah. terms of Aubameyang? Why would you then offer him a really lucrative deal, knowing full well that you'll get a diminished return on that investment? It doesn't really kind of follow. So it begs the question of, yeah, why 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 are the Arsenal owners doing that? I, I remember at the time though, which I guess comes back to my point about external pressures and everything else. I remember at the time the the fanfare when he did sign. They did this thing where he walked out onto the pitch with Ian Wright, and um, you know just kicking the ball and they're having a chat and they say, yeah, I've committed my future, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the Arsenal fans are going absolutely nuts for it. So on the flip side, if, if they'd have made that decision to, you know, not extend him, I guess the backlash would have been absolutely terrible. Owners can't win really sometimes, can they? I know they're a, a rotten bunch at times, but it's, it, it must be quite a hard job to, to get right yeah. with, with contracts specifically. Yeah, true. And you can't account for the fact that Aubameyang was going to, you know, flout the rules in terms of what no. Mikel Arteta has set as just, you know, he wants a really kind of um, strict regime, I suppose, which is fair enough um, in terms of stamping his authority on the Arsenal squad. And Aubameyang has clearly broken multiple rules, um, which is why he's out of the team. I guess they've learned their lesson slightly as well. It, or it seems to be with the with sort of especially this season the new model they seem to be implementing with a lot of younger players and, and signings and it feels doesn't it that the best clubs are very efficient in their contract process aren't they and tying people up for the right amount of time knowing when to let them go I guess that's no coincidence that um, we talk a lot about directors of football and stuff at the moment is it yeah true and uh, as you say like is it does that kind of coincide or does it correlate with the fact that we are having more and more kind of hires within football clubs who are people from data and analytics yeah, perspectives yeah. i mean i know i know people who work within clubs who have um contributed towards players contract negotiations and saying that okay i'm sorry but you're over yeah you're over the hill now a little bit you're not actually going to give us even just the minutes on the pitch never mind performances because mm. we know your um the data behind what your season has been so um yeah i think that's right and it also comes back to that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation like I don't want to dig Aubameyang out and keep coming back to him, but we know from some of the things that he posts on you know, social media and stuff that he is—he does like the flash cars mm. and he does like the sort of the um, the sort of narrative around him being a professional player. Does that maybe suggest that he was extrinsically motivated? He's a fantastic footballer as well, but yeah. would you have got that from someone who's hugely 
intrinsically motivated and wouldn't have maybe done the same thing in terms of his behavior beyond the contract i don't know i'm just again playing devil's advocate same as you but yeah it's an interesting question but yeah i mean it's it's been a model for a lot of clubs i know manchester united have done this um i think chelsea to some extent liverpool is sort of doing it quite ardently at the moment in terms of offering players over 30 longer term contracts as well and that goes again it's backed up by the data in terms of that age curve of a player's performances as i say minutes as well reducing so why would they kind of waste money it would cost them sort of uh, clubs more per game just to get that player on the pitch because they may be not um not able to start every game yeah. so it's yeah it's a fairly kind of a long-term thing in terms of that, that contract and that understanding around contracts but yeah contract phenomenon i thought was just an interesting one it's taken from american sports but we can sort of apply it um as best as best as we can to football and i guess for the listeners if you have other examples where you feel this has been the case maybe subjectively um then do get in, in contact with us or maybe with something that's driven by the numbers as well we would love to hear from you and what's the moral of the story mark the moral of the story, Ryan, is that you can actually use analytics within these sorts of things. So if the contract year phenomenon weren't to be a thing, it might be because people are looking at the numbers, looking at the underlying data to actually not offer these people silly contracts yes. and wasting all of their money. It's another so win for analytics. Millions. It's another win for analytics. Yes. You're welcome. And there we have it. So, contract year phenomenon boxed off. Just when you thought we'd run out of ideas, we'd come out <laughs> with another one. Never. Even drawing upon American sports now. Never. We don't ever run out of ideas here. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy that, Ryan? I did, yeah. With, <laughs> we've, we're scraping the well constantly for new ideas and it will never empty. Um, <laughs> before, yeah, before we go, I did actually, though, read an interesting article, um, which I guess actually relates to this in some way. Uh, it was on The Athletic and it was about record yeah, signings, nice. actually. Um, which I guess is kind of about contracts, isn't it? Um, and record mm. signings essentially fail to perform after big money moves because of the price tag, etc. Whatever it might be, it's a very similar good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of is, isn't it? And um, I think it's, I just thought it's quite similar and interesting because essentially it's almost like they've performed so well to uh, to get a you know a, an absolutely record breaking move somewhere and then not carrying on those levels of performance into. Uh, into their next club and I know again there's a million different things to this in terms of switching leagues you know stepping up a level Mm -hmm. etc something we've spoken about before yeah exactly exactly you know Jack Grealish for example the most expensive footballer in England um, you know has taken a massive step up and is really struggling I just thought I just wondered what your what your thoughts were on 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 record sign is failing because there's also I mean there's been Ndombele hasn't there in the news a lot recently obviously having massive issues Pogba constantly talking about Pogba but he still remains Man United's record signing um, yeah it's a bit of a thing isn't it yeah no, that, that's an interesting one I think you're, you're right it does have kind of parallels I think it's maybe slightly different in terms of a player's sort of performance and cohesion staying with the same club the difference being the contract year. You've almost got yeah. a, a pre versus post test there within the same kind of pool. Whereas, this, as you say, there's so many different factors that you can't account for when a player moves between clubs. You know, they're moving their whole livelihood and their whole life to a new club, a new city, etc. Um, they're adapting to a new style. I think with the Jack Grealish one, I haven't actually looked at the numbers on this, but I think it would be unfair to almost look at the numbers for Jack Grealish because he's been asked to do so many different yeah. play so many different roles he had a very defined role in the 4-2-3-1 for Aston Villa um where he did so well especially in that final 
um, the final year before he got the move. And, I mean, he's been playing in different positions. He played a false nine role, I think, against Watford earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, maybe another occasion as well. Um, so I feel like the narrative around Jack Grealish is that he's maybe performed worse than he has. Yeah. I also think it's something of a kind of a, maybe a different phenomenon. And I'd be interested to know exactly what it is, is that it's kind of a poison chalice that like externally by the whole of the media, you're, you're, you've got that title of the record signing. So you can, the, you, your anchor is already like so high in terms of you either have to be absolutely perfect yeah. or you're a flop because you, you, you have to deliver. Whereas it's that same player that, yeah, the narrative around that same player, if they were bought for a half the price, they are the same person on that football pitch, but they've almost got a bit more kind of, mm. um, they've got almost a bit more kind of forgiveness than if if they were to not do quite as well. So I think the narrative around that is almost different from the reality. But that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and within this article as well, I, I thought an interesting example was uh, Sebastian Haller, who obviously was West Ham's, oh, yeah. remains West Ham's, uh, record signing regardless of not playing for the club anymore and he you know d- didn't really take off in England and for West Ham and I guess the weight of expectation is something that I remember reading an interview with him uh, about but he scored 23 goals in 36 appearances at Ajax which is mm. you know absolutely flying I know different league different standards yeah, yeah. etc in the Champions League as well though in He's the Champions very League well as well and, and I just thought you know it, the weight of expectation must be a massive thing on, on players and I guess something that analytics I, I imagine is difficult to take into account is mentality and pressure. That's something that is difficult to to measure with numbers, isn't it? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I suppose it comes back to that extrinsic and intrinsic motivation to some extent. But it's it's those sorts of yeah, those softer skills, those immeasurables to some extent, as you say. So yeah, interesting one. I'll have to read that article. I haven't read that yet. Yeah, it's good. Well, since we're talking about it, Mark, and I promise you, this wasn't my shoehorn of a way to get a game in. But I was thinking actually, I could I could throw you a little test here. If you're up for it, yeah, I love a game. We've played played games multiple times on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know whether I've, yeah, I, I think I've given you a, a game where you have to answer, but I tend to be the one to answer. But let's try it. Well, because it'd be embarrassing the other way around, no doubt. Well, the, <laughs> I basically from chatting then about record signings. When I, when I read that article, it made me think. I wonder if there's a list of record signings for each Premier oh, League club. Okay, and it and I actually, you know, if I'd have been asked to guess a few, I think I would have got a few. So I was intrigued as to sort of. How, if you could guess mm. each club's record signing? Now we've mentioned four of them. There we've mentioned Grealish, Pogba, uh, and Dombele and Haller. I'd be interested to know if I named a club, could you name their record signing? A Premier League club. I'm not just going to get you know the Dutch fourth division yeah. and ask you to tell me their their record signing. Yeah, fair enough. Do you know what? I yeah. I mean, I love football that's why we we do this podcast but i i'm not really good at this sort of thing let me let me check you a couple i bet bet you can first of all an easy one chelsea romelu lukaku yes arsenal arsenal is that nicola pepe yes uh liverpool obviously i don't need to ask you about liverpool surely um is it virgil van dyke it is because actually he is probably one of the examples of uh, someone who has flourished as a record signing, I guess no That's one true. would doubt that, would they? That's true. Uh, can you name? I, I've told you West. Uh, I've told you West Ham's. Can you name Wolves as record signing? Wolves's record signing. Um, is it him? Give me a clue. He looks like he's in the Strokes. Oh, um, Silver. Oh, yes, is it Fabio Silver. He is. He's still their record signing. Yes. I mean, I guess he hasn't played as much as. 
perhaps he would have thought, but he's still very young, isn't he? Still very young, one for the future. So yeah, yeah he's still I heard, record signing. I heard he had a great game the other day as well um, from yeah. uh, Sean, our friend who is a Wolves fan, texted me especially oh, to say um, nice little shout Silva out. is having a, a great game. But um, no, I didn't know that. I realise I'm going completely out of sync here, but quick fire, quick fire. Newcastle, right. you can get this. Uh, Newcastle is um, Joe Linton? It is indeed, it is. You're flying here. Oh, that can was... Can you guess... Okay. Yeah, can you guess Everton's? Everton's... Um, oh, so many names going past. Uh, is it Richarlison? It is, yes. You, oh. you play like you don't know things, but you do. Leeds. Leeds. Um... Rafinha? No, no, Rodrigo. Rodrigo Moreno. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Leicester. I should have known that. We're getting we're getting into the hard end now. Leicester. Uh Leicester. Um Pats and Daka they bought fairly well. I don't know whether that's the I I would have thought that. No. no James it's Madison? Not. No, it's uh Tielemans. Oh, of course, you're Tielemans, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, so the people we have left very quickly, Aston Villa, Brentford, Brighton. Burnley and Watford. Oh, and Norwich. If you can name any of those people, I'll be very impressed because I would not have done. Oh, and okay. Crystal Palace, actually. Crystal Palace, you can get. Crystal Palace, um, Odson Edward? Oh, no. Benteke. I'm just naming players now. Um, yeah. I bet the listeners are screaming at, at their phone <laughs> and the podcast. Um, what was it? Um, loads of teams that you said. Um, v- Villa. Who can you get Villa? Villa. Actually, you could probably get Villa. Villa would be um, Watkins. No. Or Ings. Oh, Bendia. Yeah. Oh. Ings is Southampton's still. Interesting. So the other three that I said, if you can name any of these three, I will, uh, I'll give you some Give you money. the money myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no money in this podcast. <laughs> uh, Brentford, Brighton or Burnley. If you can name any of their record signings, I would be very impressed. Um, Burnley has to be Maxwell Cornet, doesn't it? No, I thought this would be it, but no, it's Ben Gibson who oh. moved back to Middlesbrough. So yeah, I, I had no idea about that. Brighton or Brentford? Oh, I mean, as I say, very tricky. Ooh, two clubs who we like for their analytics. Um, yes, very yes. Good data darlings. Not for their record signings. Um, not for their record signings. Are they, are they really tricky? Okay. Um, uh, Leandro Trossard for Brighton? No, it's Enoch Mwepu. Enoch Mwepu, the computer, as they call it. Yeah. I should have known that. Yeah. Finally, um, Brentford. Brentford. You're um, never going to get this. You're never going to get this. Um, Rursluff. No, good guess. Christopher Ayer. I don't even know if I'm saying Christopher Ayer right. from, from Celtic. Ayer, sorry, Ayer, who said that? Coming back from Ayer. injury. That is, yeah. And there you go. They're all the record signings. So, there you go. Uh, nice Christopher stuff. Ayer looks a lot like me in that he's <laughs> tall, blonde, well, and then, Scandinavian looking. I should have got that one. Well, then in that case, you should have known. <laughs> but, uh, and that concludes this week's game. Thank you for playing, caller. Thank you, Ryan. I uh, I did very much enjoy that. I'll need to uh, make a game for for you to actually be the answer answerer next time. How about that? Um, at some point, <laughs> a very soon. short game. Yeah, but thank you. No, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I uh, obviously enjoyed uh, looking into it in terms of the contract year phenomenon. I hope that you did too, listeners. Um, let us know if you enjoyed it, and of course, you know how to do that. As we always sign off with how you can contact us. We, uh, we have an email address. You can contact us on fanalytics.pod at gmail.com. Uh, we are also on Instagram and Twitter at fanalyticspod. So give us a follow, send us a message, say hello. If you have any thoughts of what you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, we are all ears and we never run out of ideas, do we, Ryan? Never. So that's all good. 
Um, but yeah, thank you for your time. Have a good rest of your week, everybody. And we will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.